0: Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. So if you could turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, I'd love for you to join me there. Matthew chapter 1. I want to thank everybody who was able to stay behind last week and help get our halls decked. I really appreciate it. Um, so i 'm just going to be uh, starting off this morning with some real talk with you um, i, I don 't think that pastors should pus- put on like a facade of how they 're doing i don 't think that they should lie about it or deceive others into thinking that they 're doing better than they are and so uh, i 'm I'm, I'm totally okay with uh, just authentically telling you what 's going on in my heart and where i 'm at with things and um, like, if you live life with Christ long enough, there's, there's something that you pretty much find out along the way, and that's that the Christian life has seasons with it, doesn't it? Right? It comes with different seasons, seasons of, of great joy and intimacy with God, uh, sometimes seasons of distance, of loneliness, of sorrow, seasons of suffering. Right? We have all these different seasons in the Christian life, and and there's sometimes a season where it seems like you just feel like you're going through the motions, right? Where, where you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're not like wandering off from your faith, you're not uh, questioning everything, but you're just kind of doing what you got to do because you got to do it, or you're told to do it, right? And like, I think, I think if I keep talking that way, you, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about, because when you know, you know, right? Like you... You know what it feels like when, when your relationship with Christ uh, is more of, of a, a routine than it is a ritual, right? It's more of a um, just, just do it, check it off the list, and uh, got it done sort of thing, instead of actually, like, experiencing intimacy with Christ. And you know what's funny is is we as Christians, we've developed, like, a, a Christian way to talk about those sorts of seasons, Right? We were, I, I, I don't know if I, uh, if how Martha feels about it, but we talk about ourselves like Martha's and Mary's, right? I make a great Martha, oh, but I'm a terrible Mary, right? Like, we're, we're great at doing all the work, but we're terrible at sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? Like, we, we kind of joke about it, too. Oh, I'm at a Martha stage right now. Oh, I'm, in a Mar- I'm, in a, I'm in a Mary season right now. Uh, but, but what's funny is, I don't think we remember the fact that they also had a sibling named Lazarus who was dead, and Jesus had to come raise him from dead. They had to revive his soul, so it's like, well, I'm feeling like Lazarus right now, which is absolutely okay, too. So, this sermon series for this Advent season is called God With Us, and I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there, that this is a totally selfish uh, sermon series, um, it's, it's going to be a lot more for me than I believe it will be for you, um, because uh, this Advent season, I really, really, really uh, long for the intimacy with God that Christ purchased with his blood for me. I, um, I'm tired of feeling like I'm just doing the motions as a pastor. I'm tired of feeling like I'm just doing the motions of, of a Christian, the behaviors, the ethics, the habits, right? I really, really, really want to this Christmas like experience the closeness of God, the intimacy with God. And and I'm, I'm not gonna be content not having it. That's a double negative. Let me let me put it in the positive. We will strive for that this season. That's gonna be our goal this Advent season is focusing on the personal, intimate relationship with the triune Godhead. And I I believe that uh, if it's got to be for me, then it's also probably going to end up being for you too. And so these next few seasons, these next few weeks, I'm sorry, these next few weeks, we're going to be in Advent seeking this. We're going to be studying this. We're going to talk about how we can experience intimacy with Christ, what things might be getting in the way of that intimacy with Christ. And 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 what it looks like to engage in the intimacy with Christ. Um, now, now with that, you, you might just uh, think that 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 how is this series even going to be related to Christmas, right? How is it related to Advent? You know, pastors are always under this obligation every Christmas to do something relevant to Christmas, right? And so we we brainstorm every year a new way to talk about the same thing that we talked about for two thousand and twenty two years, right? But there's always new glory there. There's always fresh mercy to be poured out. So the question is, how does this this engaging in intimacy with God, experiencing the close relationship with him, how does that even relate to Advent? Well, that's pretty much at the heart of it. And you're about to find out. So if you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 1, we're going to be starting in verse 18 and going to verse 25. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the holy spirit she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet through the prophet or spoken by the lord through the prophet verse 23 see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. And he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, Joseph gets this angelic vision. He gets a vision of this angel. This angel visits him and gives him some instruction on life. Wouldn't it be nice if like every step of your life came with an angel saying, no, here's the way to do this, right? I I wish this was every day, but apparently it only happens when a savior is born, right? I'm just kidding. So we have this angelic instruction given to Joseph and he's instructed to name him something, right? The name that the angel tells Joseph to give his son is what? Jesus, right? It's Jesus, and 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 it actually even translates it for us. Jesus is Hebrew, actually, really close to Joshua, and and Yeshua, right? In that sense, and and and, and do you know what it means? Well, no, Joshua, Jesus means the Lord will save. Yahweh saves. Joshua is the Lord saves. Yahweh saves. And maybe you noticed how there was also. The second part of the instruction given, where where all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken, verse 22 through the prophet, verse 23. You see that right there, verse 23, is actually a quote from the book of Isaiah. So if you don't have a cross-reference in your Bible, and you don't mind writing in your Bibles, which I would totally encourage, go ahead and circle that cross-reference and write Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It's a very familiar passage if you hang around Christians long enough at Christmas, Isaiah 7, 14. But I want to give you a little bit of context around how Isaiah uses it, or how it's written in Isaiah so that you can understand it so that we're not just quoting out of, the, out of the pocket. So about 700 years before Jesus was even born, about 700 years, the, 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 the tribe of Israel was divided up into two different countries technically. So you had the northern 11 tribes and then the southern tribe of Judah, right? And, and, and the northern 11 tribes made a pact with a totally pagan king of Assyria, to come in and conquer and wage war against Judea, the southern tribe, Judah. And and, and their king, Judah, uh, sorry, the king of Judah was Ahaz, and he was of the lineage of David. And so this threat from the northern 11 tribes, plus the king of Assyria and all of his army, coming in to conquer Judah, right? And Ahaz is terrified. Ahaz is fearful, and God comes to him in that space, and, a- and he tells Ahaz that, that, that they're not going to be conquered. He offers Ahaz a, 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 a free, like, give me, right? So, so he says to Ahaz, hey, I ask for a sign, and I will give it to you. Ask for a sign to reassure your faith. It can be as high as the heavens, as deep as sheol. Ask for a sign, and I will give it to you. Like, who wouldn't want that? Well, King Ahaz, he says, no, <laughs> I don't want to test God, which is actually disbelief. If God asks, gives you a, a gimme sign, right, you take it, right? But instead of going to Yahweh, Ahaz goes to the king of Assyria, to the northern 11 tribes, and he tries to make a pact with them. And you know what God says back to Ahaz in chapter 7? This is literally the Advent passage, right, verse 14 God says, Ahaz, you exhaust me. You don't want a sign? I'll still give you a sign anyways. Here's the sign. The virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. And he will bo- be born into the poverty of his people, heir to a meaningless throne in a conquered land of Judah. You know what? That's exactly what we have 700 years Later, after Isaiah spoke to Ahaz or wrote about God's conversation with Ahaz, we have the Virgin Mary miraculously conceiving a baby boy who was born in the Roman-occupied land of Judah that had no Jewish king. And they were born in, this baby was born in like the lowliest place. He was born out back in a feeding trough for a bed. And this baby was to be the fulfillment of Ahaz's sign back in Isaiah 7, which means Matthew is connecting the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, to that sign, meaning that Jesus isn't just simply another little baby boy to have a cute name. He is also to be named Emmanuel. Now, I don't know about you, like, um, there's a, there's a full list of names that we have for God, right? Some of you pray to them in different. Some of you even know them in the Hebrew and you're like quoting Hebrew as you pray and it's like, wow, you're impressive, right? Like of the list of all the names that scripture gives us for our God, like, like, and and even specific names for Christ himself, like the Prince of Peace, the, the wonderful counselor. There's one name that I believe tops them all. And that is Emmanuel. It's Emmanuel, which now what do we say? What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Jesus is to be known as God with us. So why don't we just focus on that name for a little bit? Emmanuel. God with us. Three words that will change your life. First, we see God, Emmanuel, God. Remember what a name means scripturally? A name has, uh, speaks of potential, it speaks of ability, it speaks of nature and mission. So so when, when they're giving the name to this baby of Emmanuel, this God, we're talking about the this baby's nature, this this baby's um, ability, its 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 potential, right? That he's God with us. So that this is God. This is this is Scripture telling us that Jesus is God. Already the Elohim of Elohim, God who is spirit, God who is sovereign and triune and transcendent and infinite and eternal and immutable and self-existent and self-sufficient and omniscient and omnipresent and full of mercy and grace and truth and love. It's like it's the same God who's like ruling scepter stretches the expanse of unmeasured space and who holds all things contained in that space together and he declares over everything all things are mine without exception. So this angel telling Joseph that the child was going to be so unique that he wasn't going to be like any other child born on earth that he would be man but that he would be God with us, this is the infinite, eternal God becoming infant. This is the transcendent becoming immanent. This is the Maker becoming man. This is the uncreated Creator becoming creation. The preexistent Creator becoming a baby. So already, what what do we what we can conclude about this little baby Jesus is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Now, we uh, say that, that as, that's a foundational truth that our first graders down in the hall can even remember. Jesus is God. My kids quote it all the time. But guys, there's conversations that I'll have with skeptics, people who don't even trust God, who don't understand the nature of Jesus, and, and they're skeptical about Christianity with our unique belief in a Trinitarian monotheist or monotheism, Right? And, and, and one, of, one of their arguments is always this, that the Bible never actually outright says that Jesus is God. They often say this, that, that Jesus never himself claimed to be God. Scripture never actually emphasized that he is God. Now, now maybe you're here today, and you re- maybe that's you. Maybe you're that skeptical. Let me just put this in perspective. New Testament... First chapter, 23 verses in. And it's already saying that Jesus is to be known as God with us. I, 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 bro, come on, like it's there. It's literally right there. Like we even heard about it in John 1.1. 1, 1, when, when we see that Jesus is the word, the eternal word who was in the beginning with God and was God. We see it in John 5, 18, when, when, like we talked about several weeks ago, when, when those who hated Jesus said they wanted to kill him because Jesus himself said that he is God. And then in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul says that God himself purchased his bride, his church, with his own blood, which only makes sense if Jesus is God, the creator, offering up his blood. Guys, scripture says that it was Jesus who forgives people their sins, which again wouldn't make any sense unless he was actually God. Think about it this way, right? Think about it this way. All sin is ultimately against God, is it not? Ultimately against him. Why would it make sense then for Jesus to forgive sin if he wasn't God? Think about it. If, 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 um, I'm going to pick the kindliest person that I've met here. If, if Henry Ringfield went up and socked Ethan right in the mouth. Picture that, right? And, and 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 Ethan's just bleeding out. And and let's say I walk up to Henry and I say, "Henry, I forgive you." Does that make any sense? No. They, they he, Ethan would look at me like What? And then he'd sock me in the mouth, right? You you can only forgive sin that is against you. Right? Ethan would have to forgive Henry. Not me. Doesn't make sense for a third party to come in and offer forgiveness. So if Jesus is offering forgiveness to those whose sin is ultimately against God, then either Jesus is a lunatic or he's actually Lord. Either he's crazy or he's God forgiving sin that was against ultimately God so we have God starting off this name Emmanuel Jesus is the fullness of deity dwelling bodily so we say God and then what's the next part with let's say God with So, we just talked a little bit about this God, right? This great, almighty, incomprehensible God decides to condescend and put himself into a means of withness. Withness. That is not a made up word. Merriam-Webster Dictionary has it in there. It's a real word and it's defined as this. Withness is the state or fact of being close to or connected with someone or something in close association or proximity. So just in case you thought I was crazy and making up words, Miriam included it. Withness. So God, the one whom no one is like, there's no God besides Yahweh, the one who dwells in unapproachable light, the one whom no one has seen or can see, is making himself available to be with, to be closely connected to him, to spend time with him, to enjoy him, to be near him, to be close to him. As what words, what kind of words do we use to talk about intimacy with someone? We use spatial language, do we not? If we feel distant from someone, like I literally just did, I say we're far apart. I'm feeling distant from you. If we're feeling intimate with someone, we say I feel close to you, right? So like, for example, you, um, husbands, you got a chance to, uh, to step up and win some brownie points right here. Husbands, when you're away from your spouse... And and you're talking about how much you miss them. What are some things that you say to them? I love you, and I miss you, and I want to what? Keep it keep it. G. Be with you. I want to be close to you, husbands. You had a chance. (laughs) Women are like, oh man, we got to take some romance classes up in here, right? We'll have that in Sunday school first class. I want to be near you. When, I'm, when I go on a conference, I'm away from my wife, and I'm talking to her, and, and, and I'm talking about how much I, I, I miss her, and I, and I long for her. I, I, I say, I want to be close. I, I, I miss you. I want to hug you, right? I want to see your face. We have God deciding, condescending, to come be with. So can I, can I just kind of lovingly point something out uh, we don't know how to be with people anymore. We've, we've lost the ability of withness. We just don't know how to be present. We don't know how to be with people anymore. If you, if you don't believe me, um, just take a look back on your Thanksgiving just this past week. How many of you just by show of hands had family in town or you went to go see family, right? So um, just taking a poke at this, how much, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to admit this, but let's just, let's just see, how much of that time was spent watching TV and not talking to anybody? Or how much of that time was spent um, scrolling through the feeds on social media, right? Just sitting there, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I'm getting all these notifications. I forgot to silence this, right? did that feel like it was with you? Like, did I feel like, did you guys feel like I was, I was present or did I just like zone out into a whole nother world? Right, guys, growing up every Thanksgiving and Christmas, like we would come together to be with our family. And you know what us kids did all, all day? Uh, we watched Indiana Jones and James Bond movies all day. Unless we were chowing down on, on, on Grandma Moore's mac and cheese casserole and sweet potato casserole. Oh boy, I just all of a sudden got hungry. Like we, we, would, we would be with our family, but we wouldn't be with our family. And, 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 and we were present, but we weren't present. You guys, the concept of withness has been lost. You guys remember most of, most of our being together with people happened on our front porch, didn't it? Used to be. But now what do we have? Back porches, because we don't want anybody to see us on the front porch anymore. We've made back porches, and then what do we do with our backyards? We put fences, so nobody can be near us. We keep fading away from people. We, we, we persistently push this concept of withness we've got this imitation form of witness that 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 you can be with someone physically and yet not even be near them emotionally or mentally so like sometimes you go out to eat right you go out to eat and this is what somebody does right they they pull out their phone they put it on silent and then they put it right on the table and that way they know if i get a notification you're going to be on put on pause and i'm going to just Tune this in, right? And I put it back down. It's like, it's like you, you, you never actually feel like you have their sole undivided attention, right? Now you do, right? I hope I didn't break it. I don't care. I don't even need it anyways. Well, my guitar's over there too. It would have been double whammy. But here we have an infinite... Holy God deciding to come be with, to be near. Truly. No distractions. Jesus is the availability of witness with God. So we have God with, and then what do we have? Us. God with us praise him for that last word notice how it says god it doesn't say what god with all does it it doesn't say that meaning if we if it were god with all then he'd be for all people and all people would be for him right clearly god stands against the proud and gives grace only to the humble god is not with all because not all people want to be with God. Not only that, it doesn't say God with them, does it? That would be really depressing because then we wouldn't be able to be included in that. It's only those four, like a, a, a separate group that we couldn't even get in contact with or get in on the boat with, right? Like, no, it's not God with all. It's not God with them. It's God with us. See, this name symbolized the fact that God would demonstrate his presence with his people. With us. God with us. Like, really? Can you think about that for a second? Like, us? Like, if if you know yourself well enough, that should, like come across a little scandalous. If you know yourself well, if you know your heart well, if you know the the, the spaces in your heart where there's enough sin that makes you uncomfortable, this infinite holy God with us, with, 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 with us who are so prone to losing our way, with with us who who like too often lead lives that are just so contradictory to what we profess to believe with with us who who are susceptible to to temptation with with us who who often can find attractive and alluring the very things that God declares as wrong and sinful and heartbreaking to him like us who we, like we still have fickle, unbelieving, doubting, sinful trees in his hearts. God with us? Really? Guys, scripture is very clear. The, 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 the New City Catechism question this morning emphasized this. Guys, our, our sinfulness prevents us from witness with God. It prevents us from being able to dwell on God's holy hill, according to Psalm 15. Guys, if if God came with the coming of a holy God, to be with impure rebels doesn't mean life. It only means death. I mean, guys, up until Jesus, it was an absolutely terrifying thing to get into the presence of God, was it not? Like, if your sin wasn't perfectly atoned for as God had commanded and prescribed in His law, then being with God would mean death for you and for me. I don't think, I don't know if you guys know this, but in Exodus chapter 28, it talks about how high priests, right, those ones who were responsible for going into the Holy of Holies, the high priest would wear belts, with bells on they would wear vests with bells on and and as they entered into the holy place of God's presence they would wear these things and as they walked you could hear them moving and jingling you you know why they did that just in case that when they entered in and their sin wasn't perfectly atoned for they'd hear the bells drop and then stop ringing and then they would know oh we got to send someone else in there (laughs) Who's next? That guy's dead. His sin wasn't atoned for perfectly. I, 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 I might be coming across like pretty trite and trivial. That is terrifying. We've lost the ability to see God as infinitely holy. God with us is terrifying news unless our Sinfulness is perfectly atoned for. Now, did you know, did you notice that the angel's message to Joseph didn't just give Jesus the name Emmanuel, right? You remember what else we said? What else the name was to be given to this baby? It's Jesus. a boy, whoever did it. Oh, sorry, carousel. It's Jesus, right? That's the difference. He's not just known as Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He's also here known as Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. So we don't just have a terrifying God coming to be with us. We also have the God himself coming to save us from our sin so that God can safely be with us and we can safely be with him. You see, God with us is only good news for sinners if God comes also to atone for our sin. And you see, that's a, another part of the very character and mission and the ability of Jesus. He is God saving people from their sins so that God can be with us. As God is the one who saves us so that God can be with us. And because of of the, the perfect life of this baby boy born of this virgin, because of his sinlessness, because of his atoning sacrifice on the cross, his blood that was poured out, his body that was offered, his death, his resurrection, we are now offered the full presence of God without limitation, without any hindrance without any need to uh, add on to his sacrifice, without any additional sacrifice needed for any sin. No, you and I, we can now, because of Christ, freely enter into his presence. Guys, can you think about how jealous guys like Abraham or Moses or Aaron would be? Wait, no more bells? Right? We don't have to be that terrified anymore? Wait, no more sacrifices? No more fear of death and judgment? You can just, you just walk right in? Yeah, you can. In fact, God has graciously walked right into both you and me, the us who profess to receive Christ Jesus. God has walked right into us with the presence of the presence of his spirit. So right now, you and I, As followers of Jesus can and forever will more, forever more will enjoy God with us, the presence of God forever. Emmanuel. So, do you guys remember how. Certain video games made by EA Sports would start off with EA Sports. It's in the game. Remember that? We have right here, Emmanuel, God with us. It's in the name. See what I did there? (laughs) I came up with that on the ride back home yesterday. So, so, so I'm not actually trying to distract us from anything Christmassy this Advent season. I actually believe that we're trying to get at the very heart of what Advent is supposed to be all about. It is the arrival of God with us, Emmanuel, which means we get his presence. We get him. We don't want anything else. We want him. It's literally in the name. Emmanuel. You know, uh, the, the, the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, he said this about the name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. It is hell's terror. Satan trembles at the sound of it. Let him come to you suddenly. And do you but whisper that word, God with us. Back he falls, confounded and confused. God with us is the laborer's strength. How could he preach the gospel? How could he bend his knees in prayer? How could the missionary go into foreign lands? How could the martyr stand at the stake? How could the confessor own his master? How could men labor if that one word were taken away? God with us. It's eternity's sonnet, heaven's hallelujah, the shout. Of the glorified, the song of the redeemed, the chorus of the angels, the everlasting oratorio of the great orchestra of the sky. Jesus is sent to be God with us. So do you do you still feel the weight of that gospel? Do you do you still feel how treasurable that is or does it or does it kind of fall on a cold heart is it is it getting to be kind of like old news to you i mean can't can't you see just how far god has gone to be with you Guys, the, the story of history started off with us having God. It started off with us enjoying Emmanuel, and our sin interrupted it. But the story ends with us getting him again forever. And from, from the beginning of the story to the end of the story, all along the way, this book describes exactly the lengths God has gone to to get you back. I mean, can't you see just how far he's gone? And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to land it this way in a short, simple, sweet way. If this is how... If this is how far God has gone to get you back so that, so that God can be with you and you can be with God, can I just ask, like, how far are you going to be with him? Like, and I'm not talking about, like, being like a Peter, oh, I'll, go, I'll die for you, Jesus, and then denying him three times, right? Like, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about like a works-based relationship to earn your way into heaven. I'm talking about how far do you go, how much sacrifice are you willing to make, so that you get some time in His presence each day. Like I'm, I'm talking about that that simple thing that we call devotional time, or I call it Jesus time. Time to just like sit in his presence. Time that, that, that you just actually, you enjoy Emmanuel. You do it through his spirit and through his word. Like how far are you going? What sacrifices are you making? What, what idols are you casting down just so that you can have some time with Jesus. So like, how is your relationship with God? If I can be honest, the reason why I'm asking you and the reason why we're in this series is because of me. Because if I were to answer that question, I would say, I just feel really far away from him. I feel like I've just been doing a lot of work for him and not actually enjoying him. And the Christian life isn't just putting on a set of behaviors. The Christian life is getting to enjoy God. So how is your relationship with God? It almost feels hypocritical to be asking you when I feel like mine feels more distant. But I don't think that I should just simply let this challenge be for me. Because as a pastor, one of the chief concerns that I have for my people is how is your relationship with God? Like, how are you enjoying Him? Are you spending time with Him? And guys, you'd be surprised. Like, how many how many times I ask Christians that, and it like stumps them. They're confused by the question. They answer like, "Well, I've uh, I've, I've been going to church regularly, and." Uh, y- uh, yeah I started listening to some Christian music the other day i didn 't ask you about your relationship with your radio. I asked you about your relationship with your king like are you sitting with him? Are you sitting with him in the silence just being still and praying and and listening and pausing and and, and reading his word and, and meditating on the truth, even if it's just reading one verse and thinking about it for 10 minutes. Spending that devotional time where, where, where you're asking him to search your heart and, and, and he prompts and he pricks and he pokes at something and you feel the conviction, you feel it gently and, and then you invite him into that space to speak truth, to rule and to reign over that part of your life. It's funny because when we talk about encouraging one another in our devotional life, that seems on, on, like that seems rudimentary. That seems very basic to the Christian life. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because it's enjoying God. It's the heart of the gospel that you get to be with him. So yes, we care about one another's devotional life, not because we care about whether or not they're doing the Christian works but because we care about whether or not you're enjoying the king. Whether or not you're desiring him. Whether or not you're longing for him and wanting him. And hearing from him and experiencing him. That's why Joseph talked about that at the offering. That's what discipleship is. if 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 you... want to do anything near growing into the image of Christ, if you want to grow up in maturity as a Christian, it's just going to happen when you're in his presence. When you're sitting with him and, and cherishing his word. So, so this Advent, as, as trivial as it may seem, As rudimentary or fundamental and basic, can I just challenge you? Can you just please spend some time with Jesus? Spend some time with Emmanuel. Be with him. Be with God, guys. One of the things that I've I've done. For several years now, is every month I've got a whole day that I call a Dog Day, and it's always it's D A W G. You know how what's his face would say it? What up, dog? Right? D A W G, devoted always in worship to God. And so I, I don't I don't have any meetings. I don't I don't set anything on my calendar except I get away. I have my guitar, my journal, and my Bible, and I worship and I pray and I read and I journal and I worship and I cry and I pray and I read for eight hours, and I can tell you that, that, that on that day, some of the most foundational things in my life have happened. Some of the greatest conviction in my life has happened on those days where I've decided that I'm just going to pause everything and be with God for a long time. Now, if that overwhelms you, don't worry. I'm not challenging you to go spend a whole Saturday with, uh, up on the mountaintop for eight hours, unless you want to. I would love that. Trust me, that would be amazing. Go do it if you can. But please, please, just spend some time with God. Because he has gone through the expanse of the heavens. He's gone all the way into the manger, through the cross, sin, and the grave, so that he can be with you. You see, God is the best present every Christmas because He's God with us. Let me pray for you. God, I know I fall incredibly short at being able to inspire anything of eternal significance. Especially when it's coming from a, a well that feels dry. Especially when I'm the one who feels distant. Distant from you. Not as if you've wandered off or left or forsaken. But because we just so easily find ways to get caught up in routines and habits and motions and work. And as simple as this sounds... God, we want to be with you. And we thank you that you sent your Son, our Christ, to not just save us from our sin and to take it away, but also to be you with us. God, I pray that this text, this understanding of Jesus, of Emmanuel, would convict us and reprioritize what it means to be Christian for those who didn't know. That it would realign some things, that you would calibrate what it means to be Christian, what it means to say that I follow Jesus of preeminence. It's that we seek to be in his presence. So God, I pray for those of us who are feeling the challenge, feeling the conviction, who've been caught up in too many scheduled moments, too many meetings, too many uh, work hours that, that are too complicated to work around things. God, I pray that you would help us to cast down our idols, help us to make whatever sacrifices are needed, alter our schedules, whatever it takes, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would allow us this Advent season to experience the very thing that Jesus purchased with his blood. And that's our access to the presence of the immortal, immutable, holy, loving, gracious God. Would you allow our devotional life to be a cataclysmic moment, to allow allow our times with you each day to be shaking the halls of our lives so that as we seek you, we would find you. We thank you for this good news of Advent. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. If you guys would stand, I'd love to pray the benediction over you. Keep in mind some of the announcements that you heard at the very beginning about the warm shelter and uh, about our Christmas Eve service and, and things. But I'm going to pray over you the benediction that comes from number six, the high priestly prayer, and and just notice just notice about how it emphasizes how it prays over intimacy with God. It says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace, both now and in the world to come. And all God's people said, amen. Love you guys. Have an incredible week. Be blessed. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.